It's Thoughtful Thursday. Welcome to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We believe that every person has a unique message which can positively impact the world. Now, on this podcast, your host, veteran radio personality Jennifer Longworth, encourages entrepreneurs to share not only their expertise, but their stories and their hearts. You're going to love this show. You're going to hear real stories from real people on The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. So let's go. To be honest with you, the, the success that I have today is truly not because I'm extremely you know, one of the best designers ever or extremely smart or made right decisions or even gotten lucky. It's, it's really because of those connections and having genuine relationships with people that, that you're invested in and, and want to see succeed. This is Jennifer Longworth and today's Thoughtful Entrepreneur is Greg Corey. Greg is the founder and principal of Porchlight, an Atlanta-based design agency rooted in retail. He has over 25 years of experience in the creative industry, particularly in the retail sector, and has worked with an impressive array of clients, including the Home Depot, Newell Rubbermaid, Yamaha, Husky, Genie, Rigid, NASCAR, and the Olympics. Greg finds inspiration in the design community at large, as well as his daily interaction with family and friends. He resides in the heart of Atlanta with his wife, Amber, daughter, Vivian, son, Oliver, and dog, Ruthie. You can connect with Greg at porchlightatl.com. Welcome to the show, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I want you to share your story with us about how you went from being unemployed to starting a business without ever going into debt. What? Who does that? (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, people that don't have a plan to start a business probably do that. <laughs> so, Just, so you're unemployed and you're like, huh, what do I do? Oh, I might as well start a business. I mean, what was your thought process here? Well, it didn't really start that way either. I mean, it, I never really had a, a plan to start a business. It just okay. basically organically happened. My career started uh, right out of college with the Home Depot out of Tampa, Florida. And uh, I worked in in the advertising and marketing department in Tampa and worked there for about two or three years, did a pretty good job. And then the Atlanta home office called and said, hey, we've got a position that you can come up here and work in Atlanta. How how would you like it? And I said, you know, that'd be a nice nice change. So I moved from Tampa to Atlanta and started working in the corporate office and did some really exciting stuff, worked on uh, Home Depot's kind of major sponsorship packages. So think uh, Major League Baseball, NASCAR, Tony Stewart campaign when it first took off, Uh Uh, Winter Olympics or the Salt Lake City Olympics. I I had a chance to work on a little bit and other national initiatives for Home Depot. And were you doing graphic design for them? I was. Yep. I was was one of, uh, it was a small team, which made it really interesting. It It was a small team of about four or five of us that got to work on these kind of national accounts. And of course, we partnered with all the other departments in the company as well as other agencies. But it was really just a fun, fun, exciting thing to work on, right? To be able to see NASCAR from behind the scenes as well as other things like that. But then, you know, kind of fast forward, I was there for about 10 or 11 years in total. And I thought it was about time to move on and do something different. And so I took another position at uh, Newell Rubbermaid, which was uh, more on the packaging side and much more, of course, on the manufacturing side. So I left a retailer to go work for a manufacturer. And in turn, that manufacturer sold into retail. So I got a lot of really good experience to share both sides of the aisle, so to speak. Uh, Pretty exciting stuff. And I really enjoyed Rubbermaid. I thought I was going to be another 10, 11 or longer career. 
but quickly after making that move, I realized that Rubbermaid was deciding to move the Atlanta office that they had just recently opened, uh, and they wanted to move it to Winchester, Virginia. And, you know, at first I was like, well, you know, it's, you know, you bust out a map and you, you or a go online and figure out where the heck Winchester, Virginia is. And you notice, hey, that's kind of close to, to Washington, D.C. Maybe maybe that would be a decent move. Live in D.C., maybe commute over to Winchester. And I went up there and did some house hunting and looked around and then realized that it was way too far. And with traffic, there was just no way to commute. And so I kind of had to make a decision whether to live in Winchester or kind of be unemployed in Atlanta. And so I decided to pass on the move and quickly realized that I I didn't have a job. What was the reason of not wanting to go to Winchester? You know, I really enjoyed Atlanta, number one, and I didn't think about moving prior to that. So I would not have moved to Winchester or even at all unless, you know, the job was going to take me. So uh, once I went up there, I realized that moving north was a bit more expensive than in in the south. So the standard of living was a bit higher. And I was a bit in shock about that. And then second, I just felt like uh, at the time I was single. I hadn't even met my wife at this point. So I just felt like kind of inside that I'd rather stay in Atlanta. Uh, was more important. So that that's kind of the decision. There was no overall reason to stay other than I just felt like I wanted to stay in Atlanta. That's fair. Yeah. So then after that, being then kind of starting to look for jobs is basically what what I was tasked with. And and so I started applying at, at uh, other other agencies and looking around and, and I couldn't quite find the right fit. And then the word got out to my past colleagues at Home Depot that I was available. And so they started hiring me to do freelance work. Uh, on the side, out of my dining room. Well, that's one of the benefits of being a designer in that type of field, because you can work from anywhere. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a really good thing about this profession is the cost of entry is not astronomical, right? It's not, in a sense, I compare it to maybe opening up your own restaurant, right? You know, I don't have to buy furniture, and I don't have to decorate uh, to the nines, and I don't have to buy kitchens and refrigerators and stoves and ovens and a constant outflowing of cash for, say, food for the night. So as a designer, you really just need some good skills, some good connections, and a decent computer to get your work done. Fortunately, I had some of those things, right? I had a dining room table. I had a computer. Once I left Home Depot, I had good good connections that we stayed in touch with. And so that allowed me kind of some immediate income. So even though I lost my job at, at Rubbermaid, I still had a, a kind of income source. And then that helped me not have a need to go grab the first job or the first opportunity that came on board. Next thing you know, I'm staying pretty busy, uh, busy enough to not need to go look for another job, right? All coming from referrals from your previous connections and beyond? Yeah, absolutely. And as a matter of fact, Rubbermaid was actually hiring me freelance to finish up some of the projects that I had left, which was a bit unusual. But once they kind of closed that office, they couldn't just stop some of the projects that were were moving forward. So during the transition, I was actually continuing to do freelance for Rubbermaid, uh, as well as Home Depot, and well as, uh, as well as some other kind of uh, manufacturers that knew that I was uh, available and, and wanted to gain on some of my experience at, at both companies. Now, Greg, you have done something that is remarkable by not burning bridges. Because I know people who leave companies for whatever reason, and there's no way that company will hire them as a freelancer. So I applaud you for 
knowing how to do that diplomatically and getting them to hire you again. Yeah. I mean, I guess hindsight, it, it looks like I didn't burn any bridges or it looks like I did exactly what I needed to be. But at the time, you know, I don't necessarily think I was thinking about that, but no, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, to be honest with you, the, the success that I have today is truly not because I'm extremely, you know, one of the best designers ever or extremely smart or made right decisions or even gotten lucky. It's, it's really because of those connections and having genuine relationships with people that, that you're invested in and, and want to see succeed. If you don't take anything else from this, Learn to make friends and don't burn bridges when you leave a company. Yeah, yeah. So then you're working freelance. You're starting to get a lot of clients. At what point did you realize, hey, maybe this is a business? That has also happened uh, by accident. Uh, There's a couple things that did happen where I kind of realized that this was no longer a holdover between getting a real job. And, And one of those is when I started getting busy enough to not be able to get the work done. So I started to have, you know, I had to start, stay late. I was staying up late. I was running around kind of crazy. And then, you know, basically I started calling some of my friends that were, you know, either past Rubbermaid employees or, or currently had jobs at Home Depot. And I was asking my buddies, hey, can you help me with this project? If I take this on, would you be able to, you know, give me a couple hours at nighttime? And would you maybe work on Saturday to help me get this finished? And Hey, would you want to come to this meeting with me? So I look a little bit bigger than I really am and just kind of help me, you know? And, and of course they were saying, yeah, sure. I'll help you, you know? And next, you know, those, you know, where that one particular employee that I'm kind of thinking about kind of said, Hey, you've got me too full. I mean, I can't work 40 hours on my regular job as well as another, you know, 30, 40 hours with you at night, you know? And so next thing you know, I've got two buddies helping me out. And then it turned into maybe I've got, you know, another person helping me proof and read. And so it got kind of scattered to where I kind of felt like I was having to really manage these, these people outside. And so then the thought became, well, uncomfortable conversations with friends of yours about, well, how much do you really make, right? How much are you making at your current job? And once you kind of understand that, then it's like, well, you know what? I think I can pay you that. Matter of fact, I don't think I can. I know I can pay you because I have the work coming in. And, you know, that was a scary time. I mean, hiring your first employee, nonetheless, is kind of a bit, I mean, it can be a bit bit nerve wracking or a bit scary, right? Especially if you have people's genuine interests involved, right? And then even scarier is taking someone away from a very secure full-time job with benefits, right? It's, it might be easier to say, hey, you're unemployed, come work for me because you've got really nothing to lose in a sense, but to take someone away from a full-time job uh, weighed heavily on me. And so I was real nervous, but fortunately it worked out really well. And that's what we did. I hired my first employee away from uh, a really good job and uh, you know, we made it work. And that's when as soon as you start to hire your first employee, your thought is, well, I better call an accountant. I better get make sure I can afford this person. I better make sure I'm doing things the right way. And that's what ultimately led to creating an LLC, creating the business, and then moving forward from there. So where does the name Porchlight come from? There's a couple stories on Porchlight. I'll, I'll give you both and you, and you can decide which one you like better. Uh, so when 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 the company was starting, you know, I didn't want 
the Gregory Group or Corey Creative or something like that. I just didn't feel that that was, I didn't want my name on it. And so I was trying to find names that kind of mentioned my background, right? So had had some semblance of home improvement. I also wanted something small and something approachable that, you know, didn't sound like a large, huge firm. One of my copywriting friends and I kind of just made lists of names and uh, it wasn't one of my names. It was one of his and Porchlight was on the list. And I never gravitated towards it right off the bat. It was more or less, I couldn't get rid of it. It constantly kept coming up in the list of top, say, five or three names we kept looking at. Uh, and then the more I thought about it led me to remember growing up as a teenager uh, when we would have curfew, say, I, I don't remember, maybe 11, 12 o'clock at night. You know, we might stroll in at 12.30, 1 a.m., right, past curfew. And we would, uh, you know, go to bed or whatever. And then uh, my dad would always wake us up. My brother and I, when I say us, would wake us up at, you know, 7.30, 8 a.m. in the morning. And he'd be yelling at us from the door, not that we missed curfew, but the fact that we left the porch light on <laughs> all night long. And so, you know, he was really worried about those two cents or whatever the the light from, from midnight to 8 a.m. would cost him. And so as I started to think about it, maybe the name Porchlight fit really well. And, uh, and, so, and so there you have it. That's, that's, that's where Porchlight came from. Well, and when I think of Porchlight, I, I think you nailed it in thinking about something small and kind of homey and kind of welcoming. Because if you think of Halloween and Trick or treat. The way you know that the house is approachable is if the porch lights on, right? That's right, absolutely. So it kind of has an approachable feel to it, and keeping your name off of it's probably a good idea too. Because if you ever get to the point where you want to sell it, eh, you're not. You can keep the brand, right? Exactly. If yeah, you wanted to, absolutely. it can keep going without me. You bet. So, what has been your favorite design project? What's what's your most favorite thing you've ever worked on? Oh wow! As a designer, we're kind of like uh, kind of like that dog in that cartoon. I can't remember it, but uh, you know when you see you know squirrel, you 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 run the other way. Um, so all of uh, the projects that we do are pretty exciting. I mean, one, the ones that really get us the most excited are the ones that when we work for a retailer. I really enjoy seeing our work or my work or the work of our team appear on a retail shelf. I mean, just the fact of being able to walk down into a huge store and, and see your product on, on the shelf or something that you've done or something you've helped another retailer on the shelf. So uh, I really like packaging. I like the fact that it goes from an idea to something tangible, right? The web world is amazing and the statistics uh, and the, the ability to track is all fascinating in the web. But I, I always feel this bit of disconnect. I, I love being able to touch and feel and see something uh, physically in the store. I did that. Do you ever yes. go like, hey, look at that package right there. I did that. Every yeah. single time. Yes. Every time. <laughs> I would totally do that. Like, you see this? You see this right? I did that. Yep. Exactly. So what advice do you have for the thoughtful entrepreneur who is listening? You know, one of the biggest things I think... Uh, business owners could possibly struggle with, or at least I know one of the things that I tend to struggle with a bit is uh, comparing myself. Not even comparing myself, so to speak, but comparing the business, right? When I start to feel 
I don't want to say bad, but when I start to second guess some of my decisions, it's probably because I've peeked over my shoulder and it's, oh, I know this other agency has, you know, five or six people more than I do, or man, they just landed that big account or, you know, things of that nature is when I start to doubt myself. And the trick is don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Focus on yourself, focus on your own business, and you'll be successful in your own way. Easier said than done. Definitely. Absolutely. Like I said, I haven't mastered it, uh, but I think about it quite a bit. Greg, if people want to find out more about you and what you're doing, what is the best way for them to contact you? Sure. They can definitely take a look at us on the web at porchlightatl.com or any of the social channels at porchlightatl. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I look forward to continue chatting with you on Twitter and beyond. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. If you are a thoughtful entrepreneur who would like to be a media celebrity and be on our show, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest and attend my next live webinar where I'll reveal how to get more respect from influencers and media so that you can get more sales and traffic. Now, please do us a favor. If you like the guest that was just interviewed, would you share this episode on social media? And in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill our mission to help create more media celebrities. Make sure to hit subscribe, binge listen to our previous episodes, and we'll send you the next episode automatically. Thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Revolution.